Welcome to Let's Talk About Life, a podcast brought to you by LifeBank, the organ, eye, and tissue recovery agency in Northeast Ohio. Donation can be a complicated subject, but it is really all about life. So spend a few minutes as we unravel the complexities of donation. So come on, let's talk about life. In February, we think of love and all things pink and red. (laughs) After all, it is the month of heart and heart health. On this episode, we're getting to the heart of the story with the Miller family. We were first introduced to them back in 2016 through Whitney Miller, who became a LifeBank volunteer. And then we met her mom, Chris Miller, when Chris and Whitney agreed to be part of a photo session we held. Today, we add another member of the family, Jeff Miller, an author who writes about what he knows, how it feels to watch your mom's health decline while she waits for a heart transplant. Hi, you're listening to episode 118 of Let's Talk About Life. I'm your host, Colleen Gerber, two-time kidney recipient and LifeBank staff member. Our guest for this episode understands the importance of organ, eye, and tissue donation and the miracle of the gift of life. Thank you to the Miller family for taking time to share your story with us. Whitney, I'm going to jump right in and begin with you. I know you were a LifeBank volunteer before your mom's heart transplant. What made you want to give your time to our mission? Thanks, Colleen. When I first heard the sentence, your mom needs a heart transplant, I was so upset. And that's a really scary sentence to have a doctor tell you. And so I wanted to kind of connect with others who are going through um, being placed on a transplant list maybe recipients that have already received an organ donation, just to be able to connect with that community because this was very new to me. So that's how I stumbled upon LifeBank right here in Cleveland. And immediately I had reached out, asked if there were volunteer opportunities, and that's really how I uh, became a proud LifeBank volunteer where I would go to local events that LifeBank was part of or uh, farmer's markets where we would have just a table to kind of promote LifeBank's community outreach, uh, connecting with the community on organ donation. When you volunteered, when you were out in the community, what were your experience of the people that you talked to and met? I always volunteered with one other LifeBank volunteer, and usually that was always um, an organ recipient. So immediately, I always would be interested in their story. And I, it brought comfort to me knowing here is this other LifeBank volunteer. They are an organ recipient and look how great they're doing. Because we waited for two years. My mom waited when she was on the transplant list. So it was a very long time. So just to be able to have comfort in volunteering with someone else that had already been a recipient brought great peace for me to kind of see what can happen post-transplant. And then when I would talk to um, the community, some would come over and give us their transplant story. They either had a sibling, a parent, a friend that had been touched by transplant, and they absolutely loved to tell the story to us. So I loved hearing that. And then the other side, there were people that had never even heard of transplant stories. They had never been connected 
with someone who had gone through that journey. So it was really great just educating them on the importance of being an organ donor and having that mucked off on your driver's license because organ donation truly saves lives. It sure does. And you hear every version of every uh, misconception and every opinion. And like you said, every transplant story out there when you're working a public health fair or event, it's a wide range of responses to organ donation. Talking with those communities that maybe hadn't been touched by organ donation, it was great just to be able to have a volunteer that was standing next to me that had already received an organ and that it was truly life-saving for them. And then for me to tell my story that my mom was waiting for a heart, oh gosh, um, it, I, I'm still crying today. But I would typically get curious telling these people that, you know, organ donation truly does save lives. Um, and it was a scary time. Um, so it was great just to, to help get the word out. Whitney, as a daughter... I can only imagine how hard and difficult it was to watch your mom struggle and watch her health deteriorate. Besides volunteering at LifeBank and sharing that mission with other people, what did you do to help your mom during that time of waiting? Oh, gosh. You know, our family, we've always had a great family support network. So we've always been very positive. You know, kind of our goal was to bring her back to a healthy mom. Um, to receive that heart and kind of look to the future um, post-heart transplant. So I think as a family, we just all stayed very positive. I think faith helped a lot, and you have to have humor. I think faith and humor help bring us through um, because it's a very tough subject, and it's scary. So I think faith helped us bring us through some of the days where my mom was not doing well and when we were getting closer to her transplant day. But then also humor, you have to be able to laugh, um, uh, you know, to get through some of those hard days as well. I agree with that 100%. For some reason, humor kind of lightens that burden. There, it does. There are days when you don't know whether to laugh or cry for sure. But having that support system as a family really makes a huge difference. Chris, if you can share your part of the story with our listeners. What initially caused your heart to fail? When I was 45, I noticed that I was having extra beats that did not feel right. So I went to the doctor, and of course, it's kind of a long, drawn out. You see one person, then you have to see another person, you see another person. And I was finally diagnosed with cardiomyopathy. And I did the thing that no one should ever do. I read everything I could online. Oh, my and that time, the prognosis was not good. My youngest son, who you are about to talk to, was in fourth grade. And everything I read uh, made it seem like I might not see him graduate from high school. So it was pretty overwhelming at first. I, my parents were fine. My grandparents had been fine. I had one grandmother that had a heart issue that we really never knew for sure what it was, but she lived into her 90s, so she did great. So this was, it just sort of came out of nowhere. And it's a lot. It takes a, a long time to get your, uh, but I did have one young doctor say to me, 
You just need to hang in there. They are always coming up with new medications, new devices. Just hang in there. And that's kind of what I held in my mind. You know, just just hang in there. And that really was the case. Every time they came out with something new, I had every new device, lots of new medications, and I am so grateful. My doctors kept me going for 22 years before I got a new heart. So, oh, I am just, I'm so lucky. Wow. Blessed. Oh, everything. Yeah. So when I got close to the end of that, um, I did have to get an LVAD to buy some time, which is the left and ventricular assist device where you either have to carry batteries or plug yourself into the wall. And about six months after I got that, I was listed in Ohio and in Florida. And my doctor said, you need to go back to Florida, double check with your doctors, just see them again, make sure all of your tests are up to date and all that. So we went down, we packed a bag for five days. We went down, did all the tests, saw all the people and we were leaving Florida and at noon on the 4th of July, I got a call and they said, we have a perfect heart <sighs> for you. So we turned around, we drove three hours back to the hospital and I got a new heart that night. My God. Yeah. And, yeah so we live in Ohio and so I got my heart in Florida and so the thing that became difficult is with a bag that was packed for five days, I actually ended up being in the hospital, uh, between the hospital and rehab, two and a half months, and I was not allowed to travel back for four months. Wow. So my family stepped up big time. We had a huge calendar. Here's who's coming. Here's who's leaving. We had volunteers from cousins, everybody. It was truly a group a group effort and you asked Whitney what she did to help I have to tell you I'm sure that the nurses will never forget us because she was like the traveling beauty parlor every <laughs> hospital that I was in she would come in and she would be washing my hair I'd be in a wheelchair she would have it back into the shower she would be washing my hair and then blow drying it and always the nurses would come in we, we have never seen this before Wow. So, um, but th- I, mean, I bet you that felt, everything. that felt great. Right. Wasn't it? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And believe me, there were lots of laughs that, that went with it. Um, but yeah, she just did everything she could to try and make me feel a little bit better. So, um, so, so yeah. Chris, can you describe for our listeners, like a typical day before your transplant, even with the LVAD, what was a typical day like? How did you feel during that time before your transplant? I would say extremely, extremely fatigued. Really doing anything was, was difficult. You just have no energy. You, you do the best you can. You know, like Whitney said, faith and humor got us a long way, and that is 100% true. And the other thing was, I just knew I had to never give up, never give up. Um, And I tried to have something to laugh about every day, especially during long hospital days. So I would watch reruns of um, 
like Big Bang or Golden Girls or something <laughs> like that, just because you need to laugh. You, you know, you're in a tough situation and it, you just need that. And um, I had an army of people praying and I am very sure that that helped a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. Just getting out of that heaviness and, and watching a light comedy or whatever for a half yeah. an hour, an hour really does help. We actually got to the point where we knew all of the paramedics in our town and we, it just so happened. Usually every time we went out to eat, I would go into VTAC and end up being shocked by my device. And so, you know how when a kid flies a lot, they get like little wings, frequent flyer wings. So there was an ambulance company in Cleveland and they finally gave me like a frequent flyer pin because <laughs> they had transferred me from so many different emergency rooms <laughs> to get me back to the main hospital. Oh my um, goodness. So, I mean, they would walk in and be like, oh my gosh, it's you again. Oh. <laughs> so, but you just, you have to just, you have to roll with it and, um, and really trust your doctors. You do have to be a great advocate. Your family needs to be an advocate for you, but you've also got to trust them. I mean, it is a tough road and um, yeah. you, you have to put your hands or your life into their hands and be okay. Yeah. You do have to be your own advocate. I will say that, but you also have to, there's got to be a level of trust and, you know, that they yeah. know what's best for you. Yes, definitely. Yeah. What yeah. is life like now post-transplant? Oh my gosh. I have to be one of the most grateful people that you will talk to. I, I do still uh, have some fatigue. I don't know if it's just because I'm getting older or because um, I have a new heart. You know, I'm not really sure. So really it's the times that the family can get together and the special times we have that just, just mean everything. We just celebrated our 50th wedding anniversary and we're able to do it with all of our kids and their significant others. And it was just wonderful. So those are the times that, that I really treasure. Well, and you're able to enjoy those times, you know, that's, that's key as well. That's key as well. And yes. when was your yes. heart transplant? On July 4th, 2018. Oh my. Okay. And I tell everybody, I am so glad that I got my heart on the 4th of July because I feel like everyone is celebrating with me. <laughs> All the fireworks, the picnics, the parties, I just feel like everyone is celebrating. Absolutely so, they um, are, for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. So for sure. if you could say anything you wanted to your donor or your donor's family, uh, what would that be? Oh. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, you just can't, there's no words. Yeah. Understood, understood. Yeah. Yeah, we are forever grateful to, to that yes. donor and, and their family. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is difficult, it is difficult. But the fact that you're living a great life, that does honor them. And that's, you know, that's what donor families hope for, is that somebody else's family doesn't go through what they right. need to do. So, and, and also, I feel like I need to <clears throat> share the fact that someone 
gave me, you know, donated a heart to save me. I feel like I need to share that because there are so many people that never meet anybody that has a heart transplant. And in our circle, you know, that's, it's like everybody knows all about it, but um, there's so many people that don't meet anybody like that. Uh, when I renewed my driver's license last, uh, it was almost closing time in the BMD. I had waited a very long time and they had already locked the door and there still were about 10 people sitting on benches uh, waiting. And as I left, I just turned around on for the moment and just said, I just want to thank all of you that are going to check the box to be an organ donor because one saved me. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. How profound. Yeah. I'm sure you made a huge impact yeah. that day. Yeah. Yeah. One person just said thanks for sharing that. Who knows? They could have been a donor family. Uh, yeah. Who knows? So my license plate actually says that I am a heart recipient and my husband has people say stuff to him at the gas station and stoplight everywhere. Only one time has anybody said anything when I'm in the car. (laughs) But it's a good conversation starter. It sure is. It sure is. Yeah. Well, Jeff, thank you for being so patient. I'm going to turn to you now. And I'm going to start with the same question I asked Whitney, you know, watching your mom's health deteriorate. How did that affect you? You know, I think I'm still finding out how it's affected me. Um, but, uh, you know, when things happen when you're young, it's just kind of this is life and this is what's happening. So, you know, I feel like I've always been able to just be in tune to how my mom is doing and, you know, yeah, the fatigue and everything with that. Something that I've also discovered through years of therapy, which is great. I would recommend it to everyone. But something that we would call the, the undercurrent of dread. And, you know, when you have a sick family member or whatever it is and you have just the undercurrent of dread that's always there and you can kind of get it on top of it at times uh, but then it is something that is always there uh, and it has been an interesting experience seeing that undercurrent of dread kind of dry up in the last five years and so that has been exciting yeah I don't know we're just grateful for we got to experience this miracle of a new heart and I feel like I'm a writer. And so I I try to do what I can to help other folks that might be experiencing something similar uh, in the way that I can. And that is making up stories about weird birds. Uh, (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned that. Your book is called Rare Birds and your main character is a 12 year old boy whose mom is waiting for a heart transplant. In, in Florida. And they actually go to Florida to wait for a heart transplant there. And so, yeah, there's a, an awful lot of coincidence, I would say. Yeah, kind of when you become an author, the second half of the gig is that you are a public speaker now, whether you know it or not. And fortunately, uh, I love it. And so I get to go talk to to schools and talk about reading and writing. And I always would share that everyone should write about what they know and what they love. And then one day it was just kind of the question was turned to me of when was I going to do that? Uh, and so Rare Birds is what I kind of refer to as a big hug of a book. And so I want it to be there for anyone that is going through something similar. And yeah, when you're 12, 
you're kind of beginning to question a lot of things. And for anyone that's experiencing chronic illness or whatever it is, uh, yeah, the undercurrent of dread is there. And so as someone that's on the other side of that, you know, rare birds is hopefully a little bit of a life raft for anybody that's still going through it. Yeah. So without spoiling the ending, what do you want the reader to take away once they finish Rare Birds? Honestly, what my mom kind of said, never give up. That would be a great message that I would like to convey to everybody. And so just kindness and empathy and, you know, kind of thinking about that, you know, everyone kind of has something that's going on. And so... Uh, if I could kind of change or change the way that people think about some things, that would be cool. That would be fun. Yeah, that would be really cool. And, you know, the more you, as you said, talk to people and, and you know, you go out and you do speaking engagements and you learn a little bit more, you realize ultimately everybody's going through something, whether it's waiting for an organ or something else. And yeah, um, being able to cope and get through that with honor and um, faith and humor, as you said. That's so important, so important, just for everyday life. I kind of view writing for this age group for kind of 10 to 12 year olds, kind of like an emotional jungle gym that they get to experience some, some of these really big emotions and kind of, yeah, hopefully find ways to cope. Yeah, I kind of like to write books that I wish I would have had around when I was 12 or 13, maybe. Yeah. And when your mom had the LVAD and, you know, you were watching that whole process, what were your thoughts about that? That was an interesting process. I mean, truly, with the organ transplantation journey, you kind of have to get worse in order to move up the list. And with the LVAD, that was kind of the realization of how dire things were at times. And I don't even think the LVAD helped all that much, to be honest. I mean, it, it definitely it was the, the bridge to transplant for sure. Uh, but I just think, you know, my mom is so strong and has gone through so much. And, and, you know, I was lucky to connect with an editor that her father had two LVADs, actually. And, you know, just getting to share that experience, that was wonderful. But with the LVAD, uh, that was actually when I started writing Rare Birds. And so that was. Yeah, like 2017, 2018, you know, my mom had two open heart surgeries in the calendar year. I think that's, that's a lot uh, for sure. But that was kind of when I started the process of what can I offer through the experiences that we've gone through. Jeff, your book, Rare Birds, was released just this year. When was that? You know, it was very cool. Uh, it came out on the 31st of January and my mom and sister had plane tickets. Of course, the flight was canceled and they just drove the whole way uh, to the Chicagoland area. And they were there for the, the event and that was really special. And so, you know, to hear my mom say, you know, the, the prognosis at the beginning of what it might have looked like and to be there to watch her 39-year-old son, probably 39, he's maybe 40, he's around 40, he's 40-ish. Uh, but yeah, that is that was a very special time for sure. It awesome. was. Jeff, since we're talking, do you have anything to add that I didn't ask? You know, I think that we've, we've kind of said organ donations save lives. And 
it saves more than just the life of the recipient is really what I would like folks to know. And that, you know, I, I doing what I'm getting to do if my mom didn't have this miracle happen. And so, you know, when we say that donations save lives, uh, it's truly more than just that one. Yeah. It's the entire family, huh? Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. It sure is. Whitney, do you have anything that you'd like to add? Oh, just right along with Jeff. Just uh, organ donation is not only just saving um, the recipient, but literally the loved ones and the family um, as well. And just to hold on to hope, have a really strong support system and have a lot of positivity in your life that you will get through this hard time. Um, because we did, and we are very thankful for that. Whitney, what would you say to somebody who was, let's just say, on the fence about organized tissue donation? There's a lot of misconceptions, and people are sometimes just plain afraid of it. What would you say to them? You know, when I was, when I was volunteering with LifeBank at Farmer's Market, the number one question those who are not organ donors would say is the doctor not going to save me if I'm in a very bad accident or, um, you know, will the, will the medical staff maybe just want to donate my organs right away? And that is the number one misconception, I think, um, when I was talking to the public that, no, the medical staff is going to try their hardest and everything possible in order to save the life before organ donation is discussed amongst the family. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that uh, less than 2% of the U.S. population passes away in a manner that allows organ donation to take place. And those doctors and nurses are, are sworn to, you know, do no harm and save lives first. And so only when everything has been done that could possibly be done, um, that's when donation is brought up. So, yeah, good answer, yeah. Whitney. Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah. You know, I also heard I also heard a comment after the Super Bowl that the number of people waiting for a transplant would fill that stadium. Yeah, you're right, Chris. There's uh, about a hundred and six thousand people. A whole stadium of people are waiting for a, an yeah. organ transplant. Yeah, <clears throat> it, that's an amazing visual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Chris, is yeah. there anything you'd like to add? You know, just to the people that are going through it, you know, when you have a bad day, just take care of yourself and take it easy that day. And hopefully the next day is going to be better. It's, it's not a straight line. It's very up and down. And it just takes a lot of perseverance and hope to get through the whole thing. But you know what? As a mom, I have one, one other thing is that Jeff's book, even though he writes for middle grade level, he has beautiful reviews on Goodreads from adults that have read it. It really is a book for anybody. Well, I think I'm going to order a copy, that's for sure, Jeff, and, and sit out in, in my patio when it gets a little warmer here in Cleveland and, and uh, enjoy your book because it is part of reality. It is part of every day for some families. And um, I would love to read about it. I think it, it sounds like a great book. And really, not just for like a middle school age uh, 
kid that's going, you know, has a parent waiting for an organ transplant. It could be a parent with cancer or anything that is a scary diagnosis that they are just trying to get through day at a time. Yeah, yeah. We thank you guys, and you're fabulous, and I hope I get to see you soon, okay? Yes, likewise. Thanks. Appreciate your time. Oh, yeah, gosh, so it's my pleasure. Jeff, thank you. Thank okay, you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, right, bye-bye. bye-bye. We hope you found today's episode informative and inspirational. You know, you can save lives simply by going to lifebanc.org and registering your donation decision. You can catch Let's Talk About Life on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, but you can always find it at lifebank.org. We thank you for listening and we hope you come back next time. And come on, let's talk about life. Thank you for listening to Let's Talk About Life. If you have questions about today's podcast, reach out to us at info at lifebank.org. Take a few minutes to do something heroic and register to be an organ donor by saying yes at lifebank.org. Literally, someone's life is dependent on it.